Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Friday, April 10th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour. Two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how this pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas. They're very helpful to all of us. Email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, your family, your colleagues, your strangers, your neighbors, you know, anyone you ever met in third grade. We want these stories to be heard. As facilitators and storytellers, we really believe that sharing our stories and our personal experiences through this crazy time really helps connect us all and makes us all feel a little less alone. Sure does. Yeah, and we need that right now. Christian, today we're speaking with award-winning filmmaker and TV producer Chris McKim. I know. I'm excited about this. Didn't he have a film get accepted to Tribeca this year? Um, yeah, he had two films in the festival circuit. One was a documentary on David Vinarovich, and the other is Frida Got a Gun, which is about the performance artist Big Frida and about gun violence uh, in New Orleans. Everybody was disappointed when they heard yeah. when this started to happen because, you know, they've worked so hard. The festival circuit is like the Olympics for athletes. It's like for directors, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, you know, they got accepted. And uh, so I can't imagine what on top of all of this, you know, what else he's feeling. So I'm excited yeah. to talk to him. Most of his work is kind of documentary based. Again, a documentary filmmaker. I'm interested in hearing their perspective on everything that's happening and how oh, it's yeah. going to affect their work going forward. And we should say thank you to yesterday's guest, Jason Walk from Spears and Arrows. We had a great discussion about how to make content under these quarantine times and moving forward. Oh, yeah. He definitely had some fantastic ideas and also seems to have a very solid plan. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it was a great interview. Yeah. All right, Christian, it's the end of the week. It's Friday. We decided we're taking both Saturday and Sunday off. I know. I mean, before we get into how each other are, what is okay. what are you doing this week? Let's talk about something okay. fun. Do you have any things scheduled for this weekend no, not, that are isolating? Nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> Self-isolating. Nothing really. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out on Mountain Joshua Tree with Christopher, and we're just hanging out for the weekend. I'm hanging out here for, you know, who knows how long, but just having right. a nice weekend. I still have other projects that I'm doing. I don't even think I told you this. You know, I have that show, The Alone Experience. Yes. We've been doing a podcast. It started daily for five days, and now it's every other day or something to that effect. You have but another podcast, Lawrence? I do. I do. What are you doing? <laughs> when do you sleep? No. I know. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I know. That's a very artistic side project. It's an audio experience. That's fun. So I'm going to work on that this weekend. Well, and you know, that, as a friend of yours, I'd love to hear it. So if you want to yeah, send okay. it to me, yes. that'd be great. <laughs> I will. Sorry, I've kept it a secret. <laughs> it is. Mm, I'm excited. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. I can't go for walks because it's raining out here. But Oh, but. you know, the isolation has begun to get deeper into my mind where I start to think about, you know, like this is the great pause. Yes. And, you know, how maybe Mother Nature needs a break. So, yeah, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then like the pollution is so much less now. And I saw a great film by, I think it was just Australia. and And I'm... Assuming there's some algorithm there because we've mentioned it a few times this week, but it came across yes. my Instagram feed and it was just showing the world how they've started to come back from the 
fires that they had and how the Great Reef yeah. is starting to repair us. Just things that have happened by, you know, the Great Pause happening have yeah. chain reacted. So those are the positive things. The weird part is, is this an extraordinarily rainy season for L.A.? I mean, it has it rained a like lot it. it's, out there. It's rained a lot. So, I haven't been paying attention to how we're doing with water. I know. But- yeah, very good wet year for us, so it's good. So not a conspiracy, <laughs> just a cycle. I got it. Well, this weekend, um, so the kittens that were rescued six yes. weeks ago that I believe I mentioned early on in you the did. podcast and then have mentioned them occasionally get to come home to me That's on exciting. a midweek, is- maybe next weekend. So they're at that fresh out-of-the-oven phase where it's excited uh-huh. <laughs> but now i think this weekend is getting the house ready to have babies mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. but to get to how we're doing today i woke up anxious as fuck and i don't even know really? how to put it else out that way i don't know and i don't know that it's the kittens because you know kittens i mean come on yeah those are just gonna be a, a fun time I, I just i don't know i don't know yeah. I, I can't pinpoint it. And that's okay because, you know, we all and go through these okay. feelings of up yeah. and downs and stuff. I know that within the last two days, I've heard several of my friends have it or oh, are really? getting over it. Oh, wow. And people are just quietly keeping it to themselves because they can't get tested. They don't know or they have it and they're just like, well, I'm not getting any worse. So why broadcast it? I mean, there's just, it's not like they're going out. A lot of out. reasons. A lot there's of personal reasons. so many reasons. personal yeah. reasons. I get it. Yeah. Until you check in with, you know, your entire community, you may not know it. And so we'd also discuss that in New York, it's to the point where you either know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody who this has it, right? For sure. And it's way closer than that. Yeah. Yeah. To add to all of that, a two and a half hour conference call with my mother and my sister last night. (laughs) Oh, nice. How did that go? Was, you know... (laughs) But the kicker was that I believe that I have somehow allowed the alcohol level in my house to get so low that a, the only drink that was left was blue curacao oh, and sparkling and, and seltzer water. Christian. Oh. <laughs> so today on the list is like, let's see if there's a wine shop open or let's yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> grab, a, to, grab some Coors Light because anything would have been better than what that was last night. So. That's how that's going. How are you, Lawrence? (laughs) I'm doing okay. You know, every time I leave Los Angeles and come out to the desert, it always is a scramble because you're trying to beat the traffic. I'm trying to beat the traffic. Like, if you don't leave LA, especially (laughs) on, like, a Thursday or Friday, if you don't leave Mm. by 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, at the very latest, you're sitting in three hours of traffic when it's normally a barely a two-hour drive. And I'm realizing, and it's not so much about the traffic. I, I was yesterday packing up and trying to do this and trying to do that. And I have all these, you know, I had stuff for the alone experience I had to do. And I had auditions I had to do for voiceover. And, and I've just started to, like, get stressed out. And then I just had to stop and realized, oh, my God, none of this matters. Well, you're putting the pressure on yourself, right? I am. And I'm realizing that is a habit that I have and I mm-hmm. live in on my day-to-day. And now that we're in the great pause... I can become aware of it and let that go because time right now means nothing. And, you know, none of this is an obligation. It's obligations I've created for myself. And I have to be able to 
release that the, the self-created anxiety that I put myself on with responsibilities like this. Oh, if you figure out how to do that, you share with all of us because <laughs> uh, it's like that. <laughs> self-awareness is step one. So there, there, I got that far. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> self-aware of how, you know, self-aware I could be if we could all only follow our own advice. It's easier yeah, said than done. Like there's Absolutely. those, you know, those statements go along with that as well. The pressures and obligations we put on ourselves as a society in whole to be a productive working person who contributes yeah. and blah, blah, blah. There's no scale that we should be comparing ourselves to. We should figure out how much we can do and then yeah. do it. Right. And those are yeah. lovely words that I just said. And it all makes sense <laughs> in a logical way to us, you know, like, you know, common sense, logic based folks. But in the end. No matter how many years of therapy I may or may not have had, <laughs> or how much medication I may or may not take, or how many drugs I may or may not self-medicate with, in the end, I still struggle to figure out how to deal with the pressure that I put on myself. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I think a good part of this moment is that we can identify that it's a pressure we are controlling. So if we are putting it on ourselves, we can stop it and we can let it go. I know it's easier said than done, but at least for me yesterday, I'm like, oh my God, this doesn't matter. I can go there whenever. I can even go tomorrow morning if I feel like it. You can I go at two in the morning. It doesn't matter. I go two in the yeah. morning. doesn't matter. That made instantly all that stress go away. And I just left when I, I left love it. and got here when I got here and got everything done, even though maybe it was a little late. No, I feel that, you know, taking a few deep breaths sometimes makes it feel less overwhelming. Yeah. Too. Like taking that moment to stop and say, wait a second. Even though it's hard in the moment, because sometimes, yeah. you know, I know it's true with me that I relish those. Yeah. Time. I like I live in that anxiety sometimes. Yeah. I'm just like, what I am I doing to myself? What are, what are we doing? Yeah. Right. It's going to take longer to undo or at least as much time to undo <laughs> what we did, which has been years and years of pressure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, yeah. again, recognizing it is the majority of the battle that you've already won. Right, right. We'll see where it goes <laughs> from here. I think another friend of mine I was chatting with said we've all come to some sort of higher understanding of ourselves and our planet we live on and how we've been kind of treating it and treating ourselves and running this race. And the saddest thing would be at the end of all this just to go back exactly to the way things were. I love that. The thing that I'm worried about is that we totally will. Because I thought the same exact thing coming out of 9-11. Right. I thought we learned so many great lessons. I mean, it was a tragedy, right? A lot of people died. Awful thing. Not making light of that. But out of it, I felt like we learned so many lessons about our position in the world and our responsibilities as a country and a world leader. I thought, ah, oh, the biggest shame would be we just go right back to where we were. We didn't go right back to where we were because things definitely changed. We went a totally different direction and just mm -hmm. kind of went back to the same habits. Not to be a Debbie Downer, but the same conversations happened after, you know, World War II yeah. and the Holocaust. And the, totally. you know, yeah. those of us who feel very strongly about changing, mm. the only person that you can change or the only thing that you can control is yourself. That's true. Like-minded people come out of something like this with a different standard and what they change in their own lives and what they can control. Let's say, um, you know, I keep going back to sick pay, taking the burden off of somebody having to come to work because they're sick because they need it. Yeah, taking the burden exactly. and, and making everybody be safe is just such a smart thing. And you know. I think that the one little thing that you or I personally could move forward with doing 
could begin the small amount of change locally mm -hmm. that we have our control over. Yeah. And then it doesn't seem so Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> Sister Christian says. <laughs> but, but seriously, I just, I'm a hundred times with you. The the doom part of me is thinking that, of course, we're going to be back where we were a year from now. I know, I know. It's wishful and we're going to be on, you know, podcast number 420. Off. Yeah. And <laughs> we're, and we're talking about how we had an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we won't, but part of me we'll thinks see. that. Sure. We'll see. Yeah. So Christian, so Christian, you know, speaking about being in New York and being so tight and jam-packed and knowing a lot of people that mm -hmm. do have coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I read a statistic. Well, it's not a statistic. It's just a, a, fact, a fact that mm -hmm. New York has more cases, more positive confirmed cases than any other country mm -hmm. right now. And, you know, I, I look at New York because I've lived here since 1995. So as, yeah. as much, you know, I'm born Southern and I still have a lot of those, you know, Southern the good values from the yeah. <laughs> you know, hardworking and take care of each other and that kind of shit. But I've been living basically in New York since 1995. Every, you know, three blocks or so is a small town. Yeah. You get to see the same people. You know, you see the same yeah. dog being walked. You see the same neighbors. And you become this little small community. You may not know the people's names. And you may not even speak to somebody, but it just happens. You just recognize the same people. They nod yeah. at you, and then you become part of the community that you're in. And it just, it's overwhelming what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I understand that there's a some light at the end of the tunnel, but you know what really scares me? What really keeps me up at night is, is that we're all doing this, and we're doing a really good job. And if we stop doing it too soon, then we're going to relapse. And it just... I just just stay home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw know it's a, easy for me to say because I'm in a position that I can be at home. Yeah, exactly. Stay home. All right. What were you about to say? I I, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say I heard Justin Trudeau. I saw him on a press conference yesterday. He's handsome and he was, too. Yeah, he was saying that he was being brutally honest. He's like, "Look, this is going to be our new normal until at least the end of spring or at least early June." It's going to be our new normal, and we're going to go through cycles of outbreaks right. and restrictions mm -hmm. until there's a vaccine, mm -hmm. which is probably a year away. Yeah. I know we've heard this, and we've said it on the show a lot, but I don't think I've heard a world leader say that. Yeah, a world leader in our hemisphere. In our hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, close to it, us, yeah. Maybe some governors are saying that. You know, I think that is in the consciousness, but to hear that come out of his mouth yesterday was like, oh, yeah. That's, this is our reality for a, a minute. Yeah. And, you know, I'm resolved. Well, I'm past the yeah. point of, I mean, I yeah. don't know that I ever was, you know, I know it's my duty and I'm looking yeah. at it very much like a yeah. civic duty or a victory garden or something. This is something I can do. My job is to keep myself busy and to help others as much exactly. as I can right now. I feel like, I feel like those of us that are get, getting an A and staying home in, in social should studies. be should be should be absolved of any jury duty and all the jury duty <gasps> oh. should go to the people that <sighs> are right. caught outside unnecessarily okay. or in parks <laughs> so our challenge today is somebody to write up that petition please <laughs> give them all the jury duty <laughs> we're doing our civic duty by staying home and being yeah. good citizens yeah oh, I, I just i love that idea because I don't mind jury duty, but I just, I love that idea. Yeah. That's good. 
<laughs> One more thing, Christian. Actually, two more things. Okay. <laughs> Only two. <laughs> I've got, Go. I've got a lot. <laughs> this was news yesterday. We didn't mention it, but another 6 million people yeah. filed for unemployment. So now we're up to 16 million unemployed, which is like a mind-boggling number. No well, it's, it's mind-boggling because you know, we can't comprehend, but I also know that it's not, it's the low-ball number. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you see that number of just the people who are able to be counted. You know, yeah, it doesn't exactly. take into consideration all the people who are unemployed before this whole thing started. Uh-huh. It doesn't yep. take 1099 people. It doesn't just take everybody into consideration. People who haven't been able to get through yet. I know. Still yeah. such a nightmare. <laughs> hey, if anybody's able to get, it has been able to get through. In on, in New York, you mean? In New York or, yeah, I mean, in New York, San, I would Sandrine's, love to hear from you. We mentioned what Sandrine's experience was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if anyone's been able to get through in New York, we'd love to hear what, what uh, what's going on with the unemployment situation there. We'll just get some uh, follow-up on that because I know I haven't been able to. I, I actually did apply for the, the grant. My small business applied for the ten thousand dollar grant oh yeah yeah and you said it was pretty straightforward it right? was pretty straightforward there was some weird questions on it that i just was like all right and i, I made my best guess because i know there's nobody out there who can answer it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well we I, do have that we do have that link to well, the video of someone walking you through it exactly but take it, action page it was more specific questions when it comes to yeah, like yeah. what industry or like just yeah if yeah. anybody's done it they'll know what i mean it just like you just make your best educated guess because there's not always a category for what you specifically are. Yeah. So yep. you just try to umbrella yourself under a Something. different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then if they have questions and it's like, well, it matched almost. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, I would hope that the, the margin of error on this is like people just going fine. Yeah. <laughs> and signing yeah, off exactly. on it and going. I hope so. I got to do mine today. When you go on the site, it says, this will take approximately an hour and 40 minutes. And I was like, mm. and then I did it. And it was like 10 minutes later. I was like, well, I don't know who they're talking to, <laughs> but okay, fine. <laughs> so if anyone yeah. here has a um, laptop or an iPad or any device, please reach out to globetops.com. They're accepting all donations so that they can get laptops into the hands of children who have no other way of learning right now. Mm-hmm. And we don't want a whole class or age group of kids to fall behind by at least a year. If you're out of school for a week, you've, they say you've lost like three weeks. You just have to keep it up. So now kids have been out of school a month. We don't know what the lasting effect is going to be. We have no idea how to even tell. No. So there's that. There's donate blood. Go donate blood. Yeah. Blood banks are literally on their last baggies right now. I mean, anywhere in the country, just do it. And then lastly, food banks. Food banks right now, I don't know if you saw what happened in San Antonio, but people are lining up for miles and miles and miles just to get a box of groceries. And again, I'm fortunate enough to not be in that position. So, you know, if you have the means or if you have the ability or whatever, Please volunteer or donate to your local food bank. That's my yes. news for the day. <laughs> yes. We have all that on our Take Action page on our website, producershappyhour.com. Go to the Take Action page. We have links to that. We have links to the petition for No Rent in New York, link to Live Events Coalition's petition, a link to Globe Tops, a link to the food banks, and a bunch of other resources on there for you as well. I'll add to that, Home State Tacos. We've talked about them many times on the show here in Los Angeles. Delicious. They, they are providing meals to frontline medical workers. 
Really? And and you can sponsor them. So $10 will sponsor a meal for one person. No way. If you way. go to their website, myhomestate.com, there's a little button at the upper right that says Homestate for Hospitals. It explains their whole deal. It's for hospitals specifically here in Los Angeles. $10 provides a full meal for one person, including tax and front door delivery by their team. And you can support the hospital workers by making a donation right here to Homestate on their website. Uh, and then the other thing that I want to tell you is uh, Charlie Altuna uh, is a costume designer and wardrobe stylist based here in L.A., but he's bi-coastal. He's making masks, and they're really nice. cool-looking masks and doing them for at-cost donations. I don't know if I'm allowed to share his info, but if anybody wants to be put in touch, contact us here at the show, and we can put you guys in touch. I don't want to overwhelm him. I'll check in with him because he's willing to come on the show. So, oh we'll yeah, we should talk to him next him. week. Yeah. yeah, there's um an Instagram I should tell you about. Then it's called Masks for Heroes, oh. and what they do is people write into them and sell them where they need, and then other people on their website now. So we can add this website. Yeah, if you want to make masks, then and are donating, then you can go on and see where the need is, and you can send masks to there. Or if you need masks, you can go on and request them. Oh. it's like a mask exchange. Wow. I know. Okay. It's pretty That's awesome. Cool. And I follow them on Instagram and it's great. All right. They're, so they're we'll fantastic. Put, it's like we'll six put, moms who got together and just amazing. started it, started the website. It was amazing. That's so cool. I know. We'll put all these links in our show notes and on our website. And we'll also start posting these in the Facebook group that we have and in the LinkedIn group that we have as well. All right, Christian, let's get to our interview, shall we? I'm excited. Chris McKim began his career at Miramax Films in 1995, where he once hit Harvey Weinstein in the head with a door. <laughs> I would love to I, have seen that. I love that that's in his bio. He is an award-winning filmmaker and TV producer who co-directed and produced the Emmy Award-winning documentary Out of Iraq in 2016. He shared a cubicle with RuPaul for four years at World of Wonder, where he helped create the hit show RuPaul's Drag Race as showrunner and executive producer of the first four seasons. He also directed and produced Tammy Faye, Death Defying, and the UK docuseries Sex Change Hospital. And he was also showrunner and EP on three seasons of Big Frida, Queen of Bounce. As if that wasn't enough, his yeah. two latest documentary feature films... Voynarovich, Fuck You, Faggot Fucker, about 80s queer artist and activist David Voynarovich, and Frida's Got a Gun, about gun violence and reform in New Orleans, featuring bounce artist Big Frida, were both selected to premiere at the 2020 Tribeca Film Festival scheduled for this month before it was postponed in response to COVID-19. Let's take a listen. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. Uh, first, we'd love to check in, see how you're doing, see how your family's doing. Things are, you know, good. I'm just going through the same roller coaster of emotions. I'm sure everyone is uh, on a moment by moment basis some days. <laughs> Social distancing is actually probably the least weird part about this for me. And this is, I guess, this is the end of the fourth week for me. Yeah. Yes. So I think it is. Like, I think it was April 15th was the last time I, you know, had normal contacts. Yeah. With people. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. Chris, we've known each other for a long time, and I know that you're an avid walker. You go for long walks in the neighborhood. Are yeah. you still doing that, or are you kind of staying in? Well, I mean, you know, I'm lucky to have Rigo, my dog. So, oh, there's, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's my excuse to get out. And we've been trying to sort of stick to our schedule in the morning of going really before anyone is kind of up, you know, yeah. like 
yeah. between seven and eight. But even with Rico, like in the afternoon when I need to walk him, I still feel guilty and I'm not even near people, right. you know? So I have not really been doing the walking with it. Uh, has right. always kept me sane in the past, but um, I've gotten out. So Chris, why don't you give us a, a little background about yourself and your, your career path and everything that was kind of leading up until now? I escaped the suburbs of Pittsburgh 25 years ago. I hopped mm-hmm. on an Amtrak and moved to New York. <laughs> I thought, you know, I had a job. I was hired to work at Savoy Pictures. I don't know, re- mm-hmm. know if you remember that yeah. with the Buffalo mm-hmm. running. Yeah. And I moved the week they went bankrupt. Oh, so, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So I ended up, you know, kicking around New York for like four weeks and ended up with a temp agency that mm-hmm. dealt exclusively with entertainment companies and ended up working, temping at Miramax. I got oh, a wow. call late one night in the fall of 95 asking if I could go work, <laughs> you know, work the next morning in accounts payable. You know, they needed, I don't know, wow. someone to shred expense reports or something. Tax documents. <laughs> yeah, it's actually exactly what happened. Um, By hand, so, you're just... <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went in and I worked there for like the next four and a half, five years. Not in accounts payable. I, I was in accounts payable for like three months, learning what everyone was doing, you know, temping. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually got a job in international, doing like international box office and dealing with mm-hmm. the, wow. the distributors. And then slid my way over to post-production. It was right after college. So it was like I was very uh, malleable. You know, I wasn't, I was, I could have gone anywhere. But in post, you know, I was coordinating the dailies for the the Miramax and Dimension films Mm -hmm. between the productions and and playing uh, selects for Bob and Harvey and marketing. And then that sort of evolved Mm -hmm. because everything was, you know, going through post marketing, acquisitions, production. So it was a, a real good window in everything that was going on. At the time, the company was releasing 30-some films a year, which was much Jeez. more than mm-hmm. um, the, the big studios. And they were just, they had already been bought by Disney and were just kind of really make, starting to make the most of that money, I think. It was, right. I came in at during the Il Postino Mighty Aphrodite days. Uh-huh. So it was before <laughs> English Patients and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, well, it just it just seems like um I oddly enough started the same way through a temp agency at a production company. But I mean, not the same, but through a temp agency, right? Answering phones. And that's the most valuable information you can get is the background of how things run when you go out to start to do it yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And even with the accounts payable thing, which was, oh, yeah, I mean, I love that. I, I knew who everyone was in the company. I knew what bills they right. were paying for. I knew mm-hmm. who had dinner with Jack Nicholson at Cannes that year. You know, like I knew everything. <laughs> who was it? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, anyone you would expect. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Having access to yes. that information is all valuable knowledge that you use going forward. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It was very informative. And it was, like I said, it was right after college. So it turned into grad school, you know. And at oh, the yeah. time, yeah. you know, it... Yeah. You never would have known, but like that was really the way that was probably the best way to get in the company. And it seemed like most of the people had come through there as temps. It was a very young group of people working there. And it was not very big at the time. It expanded, you know, while I was there. But I think they they occupied like maybe two, three floors uh, in Tribeca. 
at the time and, and sort of greatly expanded and contracted several times, you know, mm-hmm. over the, the next couple of years. And then I ended up in LA at Miramax. I had started editing. They had sent me to an AVID class mm-hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing. So for quite a while, I was after Miramax editing stuff and various little projects. And along the way, I ended up at uh, World of Wonder, where I sort of segued into producing and and directing and all sorts Mm -hmm. of things. You know, jumping ahead till about two and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. I started working on this documentary about the artist, writer and activist David Wojnarowicz. I've been working on that for two and a half years. Two years ago, we started this documentary with Big Frida called Frida Got a Gun about Mm -hmm. uh, gun violence in New Orleans. And, you know, the impetus for that was Frida's brother was murdered in January 2018. Mm. And, you know, we, I had known Frida since 2014. Uh, I had worked on three seasons of a show, long history with World of Wonder, well, both of us, long history Mm. with World of Wonder, which produced her few show, uh, Big Frida, Queen of Bounce, uh, which was no longer coming back. So, was sort of how the the that documentary evolved uh, after the, her brother died was to sort of kind of explore what's going on down there through Frida's experience and the people she knows yeah. and, and and all of that. So the, the last two years, really, these two projects have been going on sometimes simultaneously, sometimes not. And we were in the last three months really just finishing both films. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the year, you know, both films, uh, surprisingly, both got into Tribeca at the same time. So we were racing as as the COVID-19 thing was happening. Uh, we were racing to finish both films. Both films were mm-hmm. due at the festival. Yeah, they were both mm-hmm. due at the festival April 1st. Um, and so February. Tribeca, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, Tribeca. And so, you know, March 13th, is, which is really like the last day I feel like I was in society. Mm-hmm wasn't the first day I was on lockdown, but that was kind of like the last day we were, yeah. you yeah. know, it was like legitimately racing to finish these films. We were doing the QC uh, for Wojnarowicz wow. and the the festival, I think, postponed on March 12th. And so that's, right. you know, we were still had to finish the films, but uh, the immediately pressing issue went away. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So, you know, the goal was they were both, so we are March 10th. I'm sorry, April 10th, uh, Wojnarowicz was scheduled to premiere next Friday mm. at mm. the uh, Cinema East Village Theater in yeah. uh, New York City, oh. 2nd and 12th, which, <laughs> yep. uh, you know, Dave, there uh, used to be lofts up on the second, and I think there's really? a third floor up there. David Wojnarowicz lived there the last five years of his life, and it's where he passed away. No way. He lived in Peter Hujar's old apartment uh, loft, oh, which wow. which was above there, and way back in the day, uh, I think I don't know if it was immediately before Peter, but that's where Jackie Curtis had lived. So there's like this long wow. storied history in this building. That's wild. And then uh, Frida was scheduled to to premiere like two days later. You sent us, thank you. You gave us a sneak peek at the trailers uh, for both of these films that aren't yeah. aren't out yet, and they're both very very Incredible. impactful. You've told me about working on them for for quite a long time. So, is it just like soul crushing that the the premieres have been canceled or postponed, or we don't know what in limbo right now? Very much in limbo. I've not really approached. I mean, it is, but I've not approached yeah. it that way quite so much. I mean, I really, you know, when it was clear that following Monday that we weren't going to go back and and oh, yeah. block. There's no there's no way to know what's going to happen with the films in the short term. So mm-hmm. there was 
I kind of had to drop a safe on everything <laughs> that I had been doing for <laughs> and a half mm-hmm. years, you know, and they were, they were really yeah. all engaging. So I, I sort of, they're on hibernation. We're still kind of finishing Frida. We had like another day to lock and then we were going to go through the queues uh, online yeah. and, and mix and everything. Oh, yeah. And so they're kind of on hold. There's still some lingering work that, that we're doing, but I've, I've not let it kind of get me down because there's no way of, you know, it seemed too good to be true when they both got into Tribeca and well, 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 sure enough, <laughs> you know, it's like if, if an accomplishment happens in the woods and no one. Yeah, yeah, there, exactly. It, yeah. it really happened. Yeah, of course. And, you know, and with Vojnarovich, it, uh, it was scheduled to go to another festival immediately mm. after, which that festival postponed before even announcing publicly. Oh, uh, so, right. you know, that, that now matters even less than right. the festival that, we're not screening it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you think this pandemic will affect you as a filmmaker generally? And it, it seems like what has happened up to now is beyond your control. So I can understand a, a bit of, you know, like, okay, there's nothing I could do about it. So, right. But how do you think you're going to move forward with these new experiences? Because before COVID and after COVID is how I'm kind of looking at everything that I'm doing right now. Well, um, you know, I would say before COVID, I was already trying to gravitate towards archival based projects. Ah. Out of Iraq was a documentary mm-hmm. I co-directed and produced. Um, Eva yeah. Ordner had started the project. And, you know, it that fundamentally was an interview between two people and all archive, war archive and their own personal stuff. And that was really my first experience with that. And I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing. It was just a great opportunity. And that, that kind of led to Vojnarovich, which is entirely archival. You know, we, I did new interviews with Kiki Smith and Nan Golden and Fran Leibowitz (laughs) and all sorts of stuff, but we had such great material in David's personal archive, including audio tapes from the time he was like 22 till um near Jeez. the last couple years of his life personal journals and all sorts of stuff because you know he he was a multimedia artist so he had all sorts of things that he was pouring his life into and so the new interviews we did were audio only we did a little bit of shooting and then stopped that because you know the plan we, we you know decided to to cover all the interviews and just make right. it a really kind of immersive world because David was able to become such a character that I didn't want to keep cutting back to people 40 years older than they were when they knew him. So it's this really kind of immersive. So in terms of pre and post COVID, I, I mean, obviously things will change narratively as a, as Mm -hmm. a sort of creative storyteller. I'm staying the course. I'm trying to use this time to like, you know, we were finishing those projects. So Mm -hmm. I was about to hit that kind of lull in, in work and trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Now the circumstances of trying to, figure out what I'm going to do next are very different than what I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling myself that this is actually some kind of blessing in, in terms of the, <laughs> the break, because I, we were racing so hard to get those two films done that I don't know what kind of like mental shape and like, you know, I don't know if I was really going to be prepared to fully talk about these two films at once at this festival and, and right. be like presentable as a person, like, well, what are you going to do next? And, you know, <laughs> right. so, you know, it's in, in that regard, I'm trying to use the time t- to find projects. And because I'm really mm. gravitating towards this kind of like 
intellectual property archival thing, you know, I, that can mean a lot of different things that can mm-hmm. be a lot of different avenues, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they are things I can research online. And, you know, I, after doing two features simultaneously, I would love to do like another series, you know, like yeah. I'd like to do yeah. a little more extended thing. I would love to do some kind of true crime, you know, so oh. true crime, so, th- so there are avenues and ways that I can go down those wiki holes and try to find mm-hmm. stories that interest me. And, you know, I would say, you know, if I wanted to make a film about that speaks to what is happening right now, personally, mm-hmm. the Wojnarowicz film is what I would try to make. Because I, mm-hmm. even back in August, uh, right. you know, I was saying, you know, not entirely jokingly, that, you know, I thought that it, the most political film of 2020 would be that film set in the eighties because so much, because David was a writer, so much of what he did Mm -hmm. spoke to social issues that have not gone away. You know, the the underlying, you know, just as AIDS revealed what Mm -hmm. was already there in society, we are seeing now that COVID-19 is just like shining a light on like problems that exist. It's it's why, the way it's affecting the black population mm-hmm. is disproportionate to, In our to you mm-hmm. know, the numbers of people. And there's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a reason for that. And it's baked into the system. Right. You know, I think instinctually my, what I want to do kind of naturally falls into this path of, of, of trying to shine light on problems now, but using archive and old stories and history to do it. One of David's paintings, and it was the name of his Whitney retrospective a couple years ago as well, is History Keeps Me Awake at Night. I mean, if that doesn't sum up what's going on right now, you know, it, yeah. this this was preventable, but it's certainly yeah. easy to get bogged down in the details of the social isolation and not knowing how we're going to pay our bills and how we're going to mm-hmm. get from day to day. <laughs> But blah, it, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, but it, and at the same time, it's like, oh, and yeah, we can this all is, relate. Right. It, this yeah. is very However. much revealing what what was already bigger, going on. Yeah. And you got issues. Yeah. And you guys have yeah. talked about this yourself, you know, yeah. in, in past episodes. <laughs> so, I, yes, I've been trying to, like, spend time, find projects, things that I think to speak to, to now. You know, yeah. I'm sure in the way that you guys have been talking about, like, you know, months from now, there's going to be 10,000 scripts. About, um, yeah, you know, screenplays about, yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there'll be lots of projects, um, Mm -hmm. speaking to what is happening now. Maybe I'll be working on one of those. Maybe Mm -hmm. I will find some other way to tackle the issues because it's interesting because the stories you're telling, like you're saying, it's all stuff that has always been there and and it's coming to the surface more now because of this pandemic. And the the fractures in our system are showing. And also based on doing kind of archival work, your workflow doesn't really necessarily change all that much under these kind of quarantine standards. I mean, you can't go around and travel and do interviews and that kind of stuff. In some small way, your methodology and the things that interest you, it's all still relevant right now. And even just researching online and and remotely all still something you can do right now. And it just all seems to line up with these past projects in a way. Certainly with Wojnarowicz. And if we were doing that right now, as I said, you know, I, a a year ago, I think I saw you in New York then, um, I was running around for like three (laughs) weeks doing the bulk Mm -hmm. of the interviews. And it was me running around, recording them, coming back to like my little Airbnb and uploading them to posts here in L.A., I could be doing that now. If that project was happening right now, 
at that stage, I could be doing interviews, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I could probably get more people than I did at the time because they wouldn't oh, have yeah. to schedule, you know, yeah. like they wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have to go to their, to go to their house. But, you know, even with Frida, which is not an archival project, one of the, true, the, right. the truths that we talk about in there is the impact of Katrina on right. New Orleans right. and, uh-huh. and in so many ways. And because, you know, our subject is is gun violence but also like all the social conditions that lead Mm -hmm. to you know it's the same as what you know the social conditions that feed that gun violence are the same ones that are feeding the COVID-19 numbers so they're oddly both uh you know so relevant right now (laughs) I mean it's uh I mean it just would feel so on the nose to just to do a documentary about COVID-19 like there's so much more rich Mm -hmm issues underneath it that are being brought to light right now that I think it's 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 rife for uh exploration from a from a documentarian's eye yeah yeah no and it's always in you know in your best interest to find the the unique angle into into a story as well so um just to just to help sell it so now you've done a lot of tv as well most famously you were at the forefront of uh the first four seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race yes ma'am (laughs) And um, I don't know if you still have any interest in reality television or competition television or any of that kind of stuff. Do you see that kind of world changing post-COVID-19? I'm bringing this up because the season is on right now. I'm watching it. But honestly, and I don't know, maybe it's a show, maybe it's me, maybe it's a situation. I just find it so unimportant. And and it is. I mean, it's a drag show. It's fun. It's meant to be lighthearted and it's meant to be goofy. And And give you a break, right? And give us a break. But in this scenario, I'm not enjoying watching this that series. Right. You know, I just can't. I'd rather put on an album right now. So I don't I'm wondering how those kind of shows are going to change post COVID or if they will or if they won't. I don't know. What do you think? I think on a daily basis, that's part of that struggle. Nothing seems all, <laughs> all that important exactly. anymore. Like, you know, yeah. getting up sometimes doesn't seem like all it that doesn't seem that crucial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, content wise, I mean, it's you know as long as people want to watch things and they're they need that distraction it'll always be there i think production wise it's like what's going to happen or will there be a window where we kind of feel safe to come out and and if so i'm sure all these productions will cram into these you know whether it's the summer which doesn't really sound like a real thing but you know they will be struggling to find when when can we get groups of people together to film a competition show like that has hundreds of people between the cast and and the crew and the wranglers and the judges so i don't think any now maybe content wise questions as to what's going to happen are unique but in terms of how they're going to move forward you know i think we're all just waiting to hear when will we be able to come out and play even like festivals like who knows like our film festivals actually coming back when when's the next time you know we've not we've not premiered the film so we've we have these two films that are you know have this like tribeca sheen on them but they've not premiered (laughs) there and so so we've not you know there's there's no word of mouth there's no buzz there's no anything now there are still outlets that need that yeah. to justify their buying projects. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's going to have to figure out what they're going to do. There's an even, there was an article this morning in Variety about some of these festivals going online and, you right. know, or should people accept them or not accept them? Well, <laughs> you know, where Tri- Tribeca is doing some stuff online, but it really didn't matter for our, 
our particular productions because they were they're doing some like virtual reality categories through online and they're still doing the juried prizes, but we weren't mm-hmm. in competition. You know, I don't think anybody knows in, to some degree what's going to happen. And, and, you know, some of these bigger fish like mm-hmm. outlets are going to have to figure out, are they going to be able to trust their own judgment in terms of buying material? If they can't, you know, if films can't gain the buzz of a film festival to justify buying it's an important part of the process. And then also just for like big commercial film, not even big commercial films, films that need that uh, theatrical window to qualify for, you know, award season. Uh, you know, that's going to be a big question, too, about how to, how is that going to play yeah. out? I mean, I have to say that we've adapted pretty quickly in the last month to what we feel is in of course, you know, everyone knows we hate the word normal, but we've adapted pretty quickly to how we think about, you know, those types of things and how we, the majority of us have already come to the conclusion that things are not going to go back to the way they exactly were before. I wonder if it's the fear that um, if you do go online with the festivals this year, that that will just become the norm because people want, I mean, there's a need for content. I mean, Lawrence finished Netflix. (laughs) 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 So... All right, it's crash, done. Crash. I got to the end. I just, <laughs> I just mean that um, oh, people are watching, I mean, Tiger King, people are watching everything right now, right? And the captive audience that you have more so now for the Tribeca film, the films that go to Tribeca, it's it's huge. Everybody's at home wanting to watch something. So what would be the the downside of going online with the festival? Excuse my ignorance for not knowing that much about film festivals, but go on. Um, well, no, I mean, I think, and it, it, you know, I'm sure it's a film by film, case by case basis in terms of how those decisions will be made. But it's also what is the what is the upside for putting your film on there to be watched by everybody all at once before it's sold? And and I think that's the question for some people. Now, there are some films and shorts and and all sorts of things that it may make complete sense for. You know, uh, by all uh, means, yeah. Luckily, with these films, smarter part people than me have their money involved in them, and they're making the decisions. <laughs> so I'll never have to make that decision. You know, world, world of uh, world of funder. Uh, sorry, world of funder. World of funder. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, no, world of wonder. You know, world of wonder paid for these films. They're working right. with Cinetic. Uh, they were mm-hmm. already working with Cinetic to 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 sell them. So. Here are a bunch of people who do this for a living in, in that regard. And, I got and figure it. Out I understand that. Yeah. If that support wasn't there and those eyes weren't on what's going to happen next, I I would certainly be scrambling a lot more in terms of trying to figure mm-hmm. out what to do with them. But at yeah. the end of the day, all I can do is hope that it will work out. I mean, the films will certainly get their day. There's, there's, right. there's right. you know, no doubt about that. You know, Voynerovich is the one that's probably a little trickier without any buzz because he's a semi-known commodity to people mm-hmm. you know right and that one it seems to be the most relevant right now you know yeah you know there's a lot it, it is in many ways big and small you know a big message right. of that film too is you know in exploring david's art and his work one of the things he says is that you know as artists if if the work that we do doesn't contribute to the resistance it's helping a system of control become more perfect you know and i think 
you know, for listeners of your show is a bunch of, as we are as creatives and, and, you know, people trying to figure out what to do next and, yeah. and find their yeah. project, you know, always be thinking of ways to chip away. And now we have, you know, not everybody has a lot of free time. Some people have, or, you know, trying to, you know, manage the children <laughs> and everything else. Like you as an artist, exactly what you're saying, like sitting there in your apartment, wait, trying to figure out what to do next when we don't know what next looks like. How are you getting through? And do you have any, you know, thoughts of how the film production community out there, artists, filmmakers, people, grips can just make it through this strange limbo time that we have, the great pause we've been calling it? Um, well, I mean, so many people in this industry got into it for different reasons. We're all doing something different than we thought we would be doing, yeah. you know, for the yeah. most part. And it's like, I think mm-hmm. for the people who have the opportunity to to take a little time and, and kind of reconsider what they're doing or, or think about what their passion was and, you know, like have a little lull for better or worse in that kind of endless train of, of work and yeah. crazy yeah. hours, try to, you know, does it line up? with what you want to do and wanted to do. And if not, is, is there a way to nudge yourself back towards something that means more to you? Right. For some people that might be as as much as we can do at this point, you know, like, because we are in lockdown when, you know, when, when the best, when you're told that, you know, just staying at home is making a difference, you know, try to use that time to your advantage and also just remember that like these trappings are out of your control. You know, you're, we're, we're, we're sitting right. like it's, uh, you know, as I said, I'm on the roller coaster up and down every day, but like, <laughs> you know, it's a but, fun ride. I have to tell you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, that one of the small comforts is like these moments may mirror past bad moments in our life in isolation <laughs> and depression, but like these are outside of us, you know, these things are yeah. outside mm-hmm. of, as someone just said, you know, out of our control and just always, try to pull your focus, you know, find, yeah. your, find your guiding stars, big and small, like whether it's creative or, you know, trying to um, make a change and, and do the things that, you know, have come up on the podcast in so many ways in the last few weeks and, and, yeah. and just try, try to go in that direction, those directions when you can. I think that's how we start every morning <laughs> is like the refocus yeah. of um, <laughs> figuring out like, okay, how am I feeling today? And then, allowing myself to feel it and then going from there. So yeah, well, we have right. we have one more question for you, Chris. What are you looking forward to once this is all over? Simple as walking your dog for like eight miles somewhere or as involved as brunch in Silver Lake? <laughs> like, what are you looking forward to? That's a good question. Ooh. That's really you can always get back question. to it. You can always send us a voice memo. <laughs> I'll send you a what voice it is memo. Too, and we'll, yeah, and yeah. we'll play it later <laughs> on. But yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I don't have my answer yet, to be honest. Yeah. I hadn't really prepared myself to stop doing things, you know, like I was, I was, <laughs> right. as you know, doing those two films, it was like nonstop, like everything yeah. was like a note. I've been giving notes like on <laughs> edits nonstop for like yeah, yeah, yeah. For two years. And so like that goes away and it's like, oh my God, who am I? You know? Who, I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was actually, I, you know. I got a chance to give some feedback on some USC projects. There was like a USC grad project. I was the best thing in the world. I was so excited to like, oh, here are some thoughts. And I don't feel responsible for the edit. So I don't feel any stress. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, but it was a great experience. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's interesting. It was interesting too to kind of get some perspective from, you know, here are people who haven't even gotten to start their career and they're like, oh, 
mm-hmm. you know, they were like, just finding their way and getting started. And now, you know, this, this is, this is how they're going to mm-hmm. learn to create. If you find yourself with any free time, we're accepting notes on the podcast. So if you want to, <laughs> if you want to crit- give us any critiques, we'll, we'll fine tune them for the, for the next week. No, <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. I, you know, I, I don't know if you guys, how you feel about like the trajectory or if you go back and listen to like the earlier stuff, but like, it's amazing to hear you come into your own and like, you've really oh, developed this style and it's like, you know, your interviews, <laughs> go, listen to your interviews every day. And it's like, it's, it, you've got a new thank career. We've got, we've got, we've got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I you. mean, for the first, the first four shows, we were crying the whole way through because we didn't know what the fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. was happening. <laughs> and now, and yeah. And that's when you texted me and I was like, I was a little scared. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, like it, it really is a phone call that Lawrence and I have together, and people just seem to listen into it. It's like a party line. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. nice to hear two people holding up day after day. You know. Oh, thank you. Uh, I mean, it literally. This is some days. It feels like this is the only thing holding me together. Yeah. Which and, I'm fine with. I mean, hell, let's go, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I think people too should feel comfortable not always holding it together like that's perfectly acceptable you know to like feel those moments i think there's a lot of pressure sometimes Mm. to be like well okay you're not dying or you're not sick or you just have to do this and it's like you can have the emotion and not ruin the world it's completely okay to like just let that go and it's better to like totally feel the feels and then move on than than feel it because bottle it up exactly that's where the problem is going to come in and we thought that was an important part of the show and being honest with each other and then sharing that. And if we cry, we cry on the show. Or if, we, if we're if we mad, we're mad on the show. You know, because I think that resonates with people because we're all going through this, like you said, roller coaster of emotions day by day. So, Yeah, I like to thank say you so I'm much, feeling Chris. everything. Thank you so much, Chris. Well, thank you. I mean, this was fantastic. Much. Every time, and I know I say it every time, but each interview, the perspective that I get in my internal perspective just grows i guess would be the way to put it because it's so good to hear somebody else voice something that i am feeling so thank you for this i love him (sighs) what a guy i love him how i I mean i'm not jealous that you're friends that you get access to him every day but (laughs) i am jealous that you're friends and you have access to him every day i love him yeah he's a great guy and uh and a neighbor and uh you know he's been here in la for quite a long time and he's very talented he just, and look forward to these films when they come out they're going to be great i can't wait to see them and whatever happens to them we'll definitely talk uh, about them on the show yeah he feels he he the emotion that he speaks with is palpable yeah he, oh god i love him as he said and as a good documentary filmmaker should be able to point out is that this experience that we're going through really shines a light on some of the long-term problems that we have in our society. And uh, just kind of like what Sandrine was saying, you know, it's like, yeah, these problems have always been here. Now we're really seeing where the system falls short, where things fall through the cracks. It's all being exposed. And to be, I mean, like, I know, listen, so it was, I thought, interesting that we started off the episode talking about this before we even got to the interview. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like the tie-in was crazy, but I, I think that he made me realize exactly what I think is getting me down today. And it's because what's getting me down is the thought that society will forget 
about what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's what has happened. People have forgotten about 9-11. They've forgotten about the Holocaust. Yeah. They've, they've just forgotten about Vietnam. Like it's just when time, when a generation goes or, and now mm-hmm. it seems like it's so much more rapid because we're in the technology age and our memories are so short right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's getting me down today is the little bit of a helpless feeling that society will forget what's happening. So we have to do whatever we can to remind them. Yes. Yeah. And I love what he said. Find your guiding star, big and small. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I meant to ask him if he's got a little, you know, one minute long script that he'd like for me to put two kittens. I would love to get his. I'd love to work remotely with him on that. (laughs) Yeah, you should hit him up. I want to see what that looks like. I know. I'm very excited about it. It may be a shit show. It may not. We'll see. All right, everybody. That's it for today. Find your guiding star, big and small. Stay safe. (laughs) Stay connected. Stay active. And please, please, please stay home. Don't forget to wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And please wear a mask if you do have to go outside on one of those important errands that you have. Be sure to send us your voice recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how do people reach you directly? You can reach me at lawrencetlewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Christian, how do people get a hold of you? Sisterchristianproduces.com. All right. right. So have no a good show weekend, tomorrow. Yeah. Good, yeah. Have a good weekend. Yeah. And, um, we will see you on Monday. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>